Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. All right, friends, welcome into episode 101 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is my buddy, Dr. Jay Dostal. Jay is the current principal at Westside High School in Omaha, Nebraska. And Jay has actually been a high school principal for quite some time. And I'll tell you that Jay has done it with incredible skill, incredible grace, incredible humility, and with incredible success. Jay was the 2013 Nebraska Association of Student Councils Principal of the Year. In 2016, he was named Nebraska State Association Secondary School Principal of the Year. This is actually when Jay and I met. And in 2021, was named the Arkansas Association of Secondary School Principals Principal of the Year. That's right. This guy has been the Principal of the Year multiple times. And Jay and I actually met in 2016 when he was the Nebraska Secondary Principal of the Year, and I was the uh, Wyoming 2016 Secondary Principal of the Year. We met together in Washington, D.C. at a big principals event, and honestly, very quickly became uh, the best of friends. And I really enjoy spending time with Jay. I enjoy um, listening to him talk about the challenges, the struggles, the successes that go into being a high school principal. And, and in many ways, because I'm now a recovering high school principal, I maybe uh, live a little bit vicariously through some of the work that Jay and a few other high school principals that I'm in close contact with do. Uh, Jay and I sat down and had an in-person conversation, which was wonderful. And actually, we recorded for each other's podcasts on the same day. I think we recorded for Jay's podcast first and then mine second. And honestly, it's only the second time that I've done an in-person podcast interview. So that was a lot of fun. It was really inspiring and very rewarding to have those conversations about what's happening in the trenches. What are the challenges that exist? We talked a little bit about Jay's book, Own Your Epic, which is a fantastic book, folks. I've got a link for it in the show notes. Um, But honestly, we just had a really good open conversation and I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to enjoy it. And we're going to get to it right after this. Hey leaders, let's talk about school culture and professional development. What if we stop telling teachers what to do and instead invite them to sit side by side with us to solve the challenges we're all faced with? I'm talking about difficult parents. I'm talking about blame, outside pressures, and disengaged learners. School culture is critical, and I've got the formula to help you build the culture where everyone feels seen heard, valued, and trusted. No more boring PD. Let's have PD that inspires and empowers our staff and gets everyone working together toward a common mission. I look at what we do here at Road to Awesome as human development because this type of work, this type of learning, hey, it goes beyond the classroom. It goes beyond the parking lot, beyond the bus and the lunch line. This carries into your community. I was in a school district recently, and after the work was complete for the day, one of the district employees pulled me aside and said, Darren, we have to have you back again. This work is every bit as important as working on instructional strategies or diving into our data. 
we cannot forget the human side of our work. And that's what you brought today. Thank you. Hey, reach out to me today and let's schedule a conversation for you to share your triumphs and your challenges. Hey, we're all in the people business. And here at Road to Awesome, we want to help you get the most out of your people. Email me at darren at roadtoawesome.net or go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the contact us button. And now, on with today's episode. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. So pretty special episode today of Leaning Into Leadership because I get the opportunity to sit down with my good friend, Dr. Jay Dostal, and not just sit down and have a conversation, folks. I'm actually sitting in Jay's office with with Jay. So uh, this is going to be pretty exciting. We actually just recorded an episode of his podcast, the Own Your Epic podcast. So uh, I'll make sure and put that in the show notes if his comes out before this one. Um, if not, then he can do the, the reverse uh, for us. But uh, anyway, Jay, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Yeah, this is, this is, I've been looking forward to it. Let's just put it this way, because you and I go way back since 2016 and uh, just have kind of teed off one another. And uh, again, you've poured into me and I've, uh, I've, listen to your podcast and the, the different stories and the different types of people that you, you've spoken with and just fascinating uh, all the people that you've encountered and uh, how that then comes out in your work. So I'm just, I'm blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you on here and to, to just, just sit down and have this conversation. Um, you know, and uh, like I said, you know, we, we just recorded before we hit record on this one for your podcast and um, definitely had some pretty cool conversations there. So hopefully we can replicate uh, that to an extent. Absolutely. So um, I'll, I'm going to talk about your, your wall of fame here behind <laughs> you here in just a couple of minutes. But real quick, just uh, for my, my listeners who maybe don't know you, I, I doubt there's many, but uh, just real quick, who who is Jay Dostal? Well, um, Jay Dostal, I'm currently the uh, principal of Westside High School in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, prior to that, I spent four years as principal of Fayetteville High School in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Prior to that, I was the principal of Kearney High School at in Kearney, Nebraska for eight years. And I was an AP here in Omaha and was an English and physical education teacher, but I'm now in, believe it or not, year 14 as a high school principal, uh, but I still feel like I'm pretty young at it and still yeah. going strong so yeah it's it's crazy so and you know you mentioned your principal at west side but west side is your alma mater it is i've been a 1996 graduate of this school um there are many people that when i got named the the principal of this position were like really because they remember <laughs> me from high school and right. uh you know, we grow over time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness there wasn't cell phones around back in that day. <laughs> but no, this is uh, this is my alma mater. Uh, in fact, I grew up right down the street, and uh, two of my three sisters work in the district, and uh, my wife works in the district now as a special educator, and uh, one of my kids is going to be a senior year at, uh, senior this year at the high school. So we're just making it a family affair. I've got second cousins and third cousins that are in school here. So wow, yeah, it's it's really it's really that's awesome. going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that was something when 
Oh, I was the superintendent at the time, and my alma mater, so Kelly Walsh High School in Casper, Wyoming, um, Brad Diller was, was finally retiring out of that position, and several people called, and they're like, are you going to apply for this? And man, I'll be honest with you, I was tempted. Um, I really was tempted. I thought, you know, I've always loved being a high school principal, and man, to be at my alma mater, I think that would be so cool. Now, I will tell you, um, I did not apply. The person who did get the job, uh, Michael Britt, is also a, a Kelly Walsh grad, so um, and he's done a brilliant job. But I always wondered, and so I'm just kind of curious, and you share as much or as little as you want on this question, but what is it like to be back at your alma mater? Are, are there are there times where people maybe assume things? Of, you already kind of alluded to it, but I mean, are there times where people assume things of you or assume that you'll do things for them because you went to school with them? Or uh, what are some of the like really cool things, but also some of the challenges about being uh, being principal where you went to high school? Such a good question because. Uh those are all the things that I was thinking about when I was applying for this job. In fact, this job actually opened up um, five years ago as well uh, when I was still in Kearney. And we were in the process of building a brand new high school and had put a lot of work with a lot of great people into that. And I just, you know, I'm a loyal person, so I couldn't leave at that time. And to be honest with you, I thought I was never going to get the opportunity to apply for it again. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Something else came up and, you know, I had this opportunity. And uh, one of the things that's always drawn me is uh, the community feel. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Westside, we are actually, our attendance zone, we are surrounded by the city of Omaha. So we are completely landlocked. Um, about 33% of the students who attend our school are from outside of our attendance zone. Um, we exist as a school because people choose to come to us. Um, I think one of the things that's fascinating about this school was it's a very different school from the one that I graduated from. The one that I graduated from in 1996 was predominantly white, very affluent, um, and it's not that way anymore. We, we actually represent the, uh, the demographics of our city. And so that's one of the things that's really appealing to me because this is truly representative of the community that we live in. Um, you know, in terms of <laughs> just coming back, you know, you always, uh, you always wonder, are people going to remember you for who you were versus right. what you are now? And, um, you know, I'm not shy about telling people I wasn't a great student. Um, both of my parents were educators, so and I was the only boy in a family of three girls and myself. And so I was I was the sneaky good kid. So I kind of did things <laughs> under the radar. And uh, you know, I I knew where the line was, but I would step over that line just to test my boundaries on a regular basis. But my parents never called me on it because um, at least I thought they weren't going to call me on it they knew everything that was going on because they knew people in the building yeah. and they knew people in the community who always told them. And so when they needed to intervene, they would. And of course, now we've got classmates of mine who have their own children here. And, you know, you always wonder, are they going to remember me from 1996? 
Where are they going to take into consideration the fact that there's been a lot of growth and a lot of maturing (laughs) that has happened over the years? Uh, The good news is, is that, you know, I'm looking at your, uh, your, your laptop and you say, be good to people. I think since I've left, even when I was in school here until now, it's just being kind to people. I mean, you can sometimes have difficult conversations and tell people no, mm-hmm. but as long as you're kind and you're just upfront and transparent, that's that's been that's been great. So nobody's really taken advantage of that, but they also know that uh, I have the best interests of this school in mind because I came from here, and this school poured a lot into me. And as I said in my interview, and I continue to say to this day. If I can give back just a little bit to the school district for everything that it gave to me, then I'll feel pretty good at the end of the day. I love that. Um, you know, that was that was definitely something that crossed my mind when when I thought about you know returning to Casper. And then those of you who who know Casper or who have been through Casper know the wind blows so hard there was no way I could go back. But uh, it'll always be home. But there was no way, man. It was the just, true windy city. Oh, the my true gosh. windy city without question. The true windy season. Wendy City, without question. So, um, yeah. So no, I, I I always kind of wondered about that. You know, are are people, you know, are they going to remember you for who, who you were when you graduated there? But but I think you make a great point, and you know, you would think that that those individuals as well, you know, have grown since 1996. As you know, maybe not as much as you, but but at least. You know, obviously they've they've gone on and done some things in their life, and obviously they have kids, or their their kids wouldn't be here. So uh, that's got to be, that's just got to be an interesting challenge every it, day. It is, and as you were saying, that something sparked. Uh, I I had an interview for a different job at the same time as this one, and um, it was a district that I was familiar with that I previously worked in. One of the questions I got during that interview was, well, you know. Uh, I got hired as a high school principal when I was 32 years old. And as a 32-year-old first-time high school principal, you were bound to make mistakes. And I made yeah. a few mistakes. Uh, one of them happened to be on the front page of the newspaper uh, because it was a small town. And that happened many, many years ago, 2010. And now I'm interviewing for a job 12 years later, and I get asked about that in this interview about something that took place in 2010 and my response was I don't know if it's the right response or not but I gave him the response I'm sure that you have made decisions in your career that you would probably second guess and you reflect and you grow from them Um, but I think that's I think that's part of the the journey of leadership is you are constantly under a, a microscope uh, and everything, you, all the decisions you make and, you know, are you going to continue to hold the line and say, no, I was right? Or are you going to be vulnerable and just say, you know what? I was 32 years old when I made that decision. And yeah, I probably would do things differently. And the crazy thing is, is in fact, one of the kids who was a senior my first year as a principal is now one of my school counselors here. And we talk about that all the time. And he and he asked me, what would you do differently? I said, well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I think uh, being vulnerable and uh, letting people know that you don't have all the answers is mm-hmm. probably the best course of action. So that I, I love that you went there. And and no, folks, I'm not going to ask Jay to tell you the story of what he did. But uh, It was uh, no grinding at yeah. dances. Ah, there you go. <laughs> oh, 
I remember I remember dealing with that. So um, parents love the decision. Oh, I'm sure. They well, do. they're not going to come yeah. back and say no. Yeah. I want you to my yeah, kids. No, please, <laughs> please allow them to do that. Yes. Yeah. Can you put that on video? Yes. And share it on social media. Um, no. So, but what I what I do love that you that you went there with um, right now. Let's let's be honest. Teacher shortage, leadership shortage. Um, you know, I, I just did a session here recently uh, at a conference talking about teacher retention and strategies for teacher retention. Um, one of the things that I think is really critical right now, especially for our younger, uh, earlier career teachers, they want a leader who does exactly what you just said. Be vulnerable, be honest, be open, um, you know, model, model how you want me to be, but when you make a mistake, kind of own that piece. Go back to when you first started as a school leader to to where you are now. Obviously, that has changed because there was this. I remember when I first started as a school leader, it pretty much it was you better be perfect on day one and only get better. And that's that's not what that's not what our our younger educators are looking for. They want somebody they can build trust with, that they can build a relationship with. How how are you navigating it now compared to maybe how you've done before? You are a people person. There's no question about that. But are you navigating things a little bit differently with teacher relationships, with staff relationships, student relationships, compared to maybe when you were 32 years old? Yeah, you know, I think when I was 32 years old, actually, I'll go back even further. I got hired as an assistant principal at 28 years old. I had five years of classroom experience. So I get hired at 28, and one of the things that came out on the uh, teacher feedback after that first year was um, that, you know, of course, anonymous surveys and the the person that I am, I'm directly going to go to the negative comments rather than the positive comments, and yeah. I'm reading through, and one of the comments just hit me really hard that said, you know, he thinks he knows more than... Uh, than what he actually does. He needs to take a little bit more time to get his feet wet before he starts spouting off about these. I mean, uh, paraphrasing that. Right. And, you know, that that hurt. But it's those, thing, it's those things that hurt that are, you can take it and, you know, grow a thicker skin, which you do need to have in leadership. Mm-hmm. But you can also be open to, you know what, there's some truth in that, so let's, let's work on it. Then... Uh, you know, fast forward uh, five years later when I am my first year as a high school principal and my superintendent gave me what I refer to as a compliment sandwich. <laughs> and in the middle of those two compliments was the stuff that he really wanted me to focus on. And he said, uh, you know, when your wisdom catches up with your skills you have the opportunity to become a really good leader. And I just sat there thinking, well, that's just a kick in the gut. (laughs) Basically, you're telling me that I have all the skills, I just don't have the wisdom. Well, I'm 32 years old, I haven't been doing this. And so a lot of those, those two specific instances have really kind of shaped me moving forward in that, um, you know, as a, I, I I am the type of person, I believe in leader, leading from the middle not leading from the front. Anybody can lead from the front. The problem is you gotta look over your shoulder every now and then to see if anybody's following you. Yep. If you're leading from the back, 
you're constantly trying to get the the stragglers to get in the right direction and then your high flyers up front have no direction and and so you're not doing so leading from the middle is you're kind of doing a little bit of both mm -hmm. and in order to lead from the middle you have to have that sense of humility that sense of vulnerability that you're not going to have all the answers all the time and if you're wrong say you're wrong I think there's there's too many examples of leadership where people in education where people try to act the part of principle rather than actually live the part of principle. Living the part of principle is knowing that you're going to make mistakes and own that when you make your mistakes and when you do get things right, you don't get to take any of the credit. The credit goes to everybody else. I'm where I'm at today because of everybody else. It has nothing to do with me. I just know that they have made me better because we're, we're colleagues. I'm not their boss. Yes, I do have to do boss type things and I have to manage, but managing is different than leadership. Right. I can manage people. That's any of us can manage people. Leading people requires that you take the management over here and cast that vision and, and constantly tell people, oh, we're gonna, this is why we're doing those things. And so, um, it requires a lot of humility, it requires a lot of vulnerability, and it requires that you fail forward. Yeah. So the two things in there that I want to run with a little bit. One, I love that you talk about leading from the front, the middle, and the back. I mean, that's that's something that's real big for me. Yep. Um, I feel like we have to lead from all those positions, but it's about balancing your mm -hmm. time. And you're right, the bulk, if you can lead from the middle as much as possible, um, that really gives you that opportunity to to utilize the words that you used. You talk a lot about we, you talk about us, it's not me, it's not I, it's 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 about us as a group. Um, the second thing um, that, and, and maybe let me, let me stay on that for just a second, then I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that other piece. Um, how, how do you help your assistant principals, those others that you are helping to grow uh, I mean, you know, obviously, they're aspiring for something beyond being an assistant principal, most likely, um, at, at a point in time. How do you help them um, see that, grasp that? Do you Are you intentional to actually even kind of talk with them about, you know, how you position yourself as a leader? So I usually start with a story that happened to me. You're familiar with the story because it's in my book. But... I remember my first month on the job as an assistant principal, again, 28 years old. We went through so many, so many different things happened. And, you know, I'm sitting there at the end of a work day and I'm just floored at everything that I've just seen because no, nothing can prepare you for that. And my principal comes in my office at that time and he just sits down and I just unload on him, you know, circle small. He came in, said, all right. So I just went off. And he let me go for about 30 minutes. And then he got up and he left without saying a word. And I'm just sitting there like, what's going on? You, this guy is 60 years old. He's been in the business for a long time. I'm just bearing my soul to you and you just get up and leave. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of f floored. And uh, he comes back five minutes later and he peeks his head around the corner. And he goes, always remember, you wanted this job. Have a nice weekend. 
and I, I tell that story because that is what I talk to my APs and my deans about. That you, you want these leadership positions for one thing going in until you actually experience them and then you start second guessing yourself. And what you need to constantly remind yourself is you wanted this. This is what comes with the job. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you don't want to deal with. It's my job to be able to give you a broad enough experience and try a lot of different things so that, one, you find out, is this what you really want to do? But two, if you ever want to sit in this chair or you want to become a director or superintendent, you need to have those experiences because in most cases, assistant principals and deans are primarily dealing with discipline all the time. And it's like a one-trick pony. If you're not giving other people opportunities to experience other areas, how can you, as, as you put it, grow your bench? How can you grow leaders if you're just pigeonholing them into one thing? I want every single one of the people that I work with to be able to feel confident going into an AP interview or a principal interview saying, oh yeah, I've had this experience and be able to talk about those things because they're not things you necessarily get. And so the, the message that I talk about with my principal peers is you have to delegate some of those things. Stop holding on to them as if you have all the answers. You need to be able to give that up to somebody else. And the problem is, is that, and I was, and I can do that. I can say this because I had to reflect. I had to let go. I had to let go because I was trying to do everything, and I can't do everything. I've surrounded myself with some amazing people who are totally capable of doing it. Whether they do it my way or not, that's not the point. The point is, they're going to run with it, and they're going to do the best they can at it. That's how you grow leaders. I love that because that, that actually hit the second thing that, that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you talked about skill and wisdom and you build wisdom exactly how you're talking about. You've got to do it. You have to live it. You have to experience it. And, and now that said, I'm sure this past school year, heck, this coming school year, something's going to happen and you're going to say, whoo, I've never seen that one before. You know, those things happen. But the more that you can build that bank of experience uh, whether that's you or, or the people around you. I mean, if you really lean into the people around you, you know, you can you can really, you know, trust those individuals yeah. and maybe they've experienced something you haven't. I actually wrote a blog about that last year. So my blog, I don't even know if you know this, my blog is actually not for general consumption. I actually write a blog for my staff in a weekly newsletter. So I just write about things that are going on. We try to, and then I, I publish it, but... Uh, one of the topics was fighting the urge to swoop in. I remember reading that one. Because, Folks, I'll put it in the show notes too, just so you can check it out. I do remember it. Because, and it's not just leaders. It's teachers with students. It's parents with their yep. children. Fighting the urge to swoop in. It's okay for people to have to struggle with it. Because what we're doing as leaders, as parents, as teachers, when we swoop in, is we are robbing these people from the opportunity to develop grit and struggle and sort through those things. It's not that you can't provide guidance, it's just don't do it for them. Like we are, we're training, I mean, that's a philosophy of education altogether is, we, we need to prepare our kids for adulthood. And if things are always done for them, rather than letting them problem solve and doing all that, we're robbing them from. So don't swoop in. Leaders are the exact same way. I need to see my assistant principals and deans struggle. 
not to the point where they're going to just completely bomb, but they need to struggle. Otherwise, they're going to think that my job's easy. Right. Well, it's not. It's yeah. through a lot of wisdom that I've gained through those experiences over time. We will return to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast in just a moment. But first, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I should write a book? Well, if you have, then let me ask you another question. What's holding you back? What keeps you from taking the step that moves you from, I have an idea about a book, to, I am a published author? From experience, I would bet it's probably you're wondering who would even want to read a book that I wrote. Maybe you're questioning the idea. Is it unique enough? Is it valid enough? Is it good enough to be a book worthy of having published? Hey, as a best-selling author myself, I can tell you most writers have had the exact same feelings at some point in time during their writing journey. Here at Road to Awesome, we believe in cultivating leaders by elevating voices and promoting positivity. And a part of that work is publishing books for educators by educators. Go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the contact us button to set up a free, no obligation conversation about your book idea. Hey, educators, we've all had incredible experiences. We all have amazing stories and every one of them deserves to be told. Go to roadtoawesome.net, hit the contact us button. Let's have that conversation about your book idea. And now, back to the Leaning into Leadership podcast. So let's let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about, you've referenced it a couple of times, but um, I want to talk about developing that compelling vision. I mean, that's like the number one job of a leader. And and as we sit here in your office, I'm looking at this wall of all kinds of hardware and um, you don't you don't get the hardware that's behind you. The, you know, state principal of the year, by the way, two different state principals of the year, Arkansas and, and Nebraska, um, and all that other stuff doesn't come um, without being a good leader. And obviously it takes time, and you've talked a lot about it here on the show. But at this point, Jay, unquestioned, very strong school leader. And you said something to me, I think we got together in December, and you had said something about um, being typecast as kind of a turnaround leader. Well, you get typecast as a turnaround leader because you do it well. So, and you don't do that well without being able to to create that compelling vision that everybody eventually takes a little ownership of and moves the school community forward. How do you go about building that compelling vision? You got to listen. So, I've had three high school principal jobs now. In all three of those jobs, I've started every single one with a start, stop, and continue survey. I haven't even transitioned into those places yet. I'm not not even living in the community yet. I email the entire staff and I say, what do we need to start doing at this school? What do we need to stop doing at the school? And what do we need to continue doing at the school? Three simple questions. And you'll find out real quick the staff know exactly what's going on and you build the vision around that because then you can come back and 
take all of that to say, listen, this vision is not my vision. This is your vision. I just consolidated it into these theme areas. And it doesn't have to be a new principal thing. You could do that tomorrow as a veteran administrator. Let's just do a start, stop, continue. Maybe, maybe we're struggling right now. Let's figure it out because chances are your staff already know what's going on and they'll tell you, you just need to give them the platform and then you need to actually listen. And that requires a great deal of humility of getting out of the way thinking I know best. No, they know best. I'm just going to facilitate it. And that goes hand in hand with culture building. Um, I honestly view the principalship as the chief culture officer. That's, that's your title. If you're not doing something with your culture on a daily basis, you're missing the point. Um, you know, COVID was a management time. It, was, it wasn't a lot about right. leadership, it was just management. But we're kind of getting out of that point now where we're getting into leadership and really focusing on the culture. And I think that feeds into how are we going to retain people? My, my buddy, Nathan Eklund, who uh, wrote the forward to my book and I've contained, had a relationship with him for years, we're always about people choose, or people quit people. They don't quit organizations. And so if you have a organization that is direct, the vision is directed by the people within it, people are going to get invested and they're more likely to stay there rather than by a leader. So, I mean, it, it goes back to just actually listening to people. And that's sometimes very difficult to do because as, as you and I have talked about the typecasting, I can go into a school and within, in fact, this is my retirement gig. I'm going to tell you right now, when I retire, I want to be the person who gets paid to go in and identify all the problems in a school without giving them any, I can identify all the problems, no solutions and walk <laughs> out. You just pay me, I'll come in. I'll tell you what all your problems are. The experiences that I had in other places are allowing me to look at, well, this is how we navigate to get to the process. So a lot of the issues are the same, but then you got to figure out how to go about it and invite people in. We've got great teachers and students and parents have great ideas. They maybe just don't know how the structure of the organization works to fit it into a process. And I think that's where I've kind of found my niche is I can take those different ideas and say, I've seen that work here, but then run it back to them. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? That's all about that shared and distributed leadership. It's not a joke. And I think a lot of people say, well, you, you can't get anything accomplished like that. Believe me, you can get a lot of things accomplished if you're very clear on what that vision is. But again, that's got to be directed by the people that you work with. Yeah. No, that's super powerful. I think that um, so often, especially those early career leaders, they do think it has to be all about them. You know, and, you know, you talked about it. I've talked about it on the show a billion times, you know, that um, I fell into that same trap, you know, where, hey, I got to do everything for everybody. You know, it's not even that you're not delegating. You're just like, you don't even think about that. It's just, nope, I'm going to do it. You know, it's faster if I do it or it's better if I do it. It needs to be my way or or whatever. Well, I'll just uh, I'll throw I'll throw this out at you because I think that. Again, that, this is a process. I didn't come up with this at 45 years old. From 32 to 45, there's a lot of time in there where a lot of bad things went. And I, I think I've shared with you, I know I've shared with others, 2016 was the worst of my professional career. I was about ready to get out of education altogether. We had 
Three student suicides, a kid die in a house fire, and a staff member die with a long battle of cancer, all within a calendar year. Wow. All within a calendar year. And the community, small town community, wrecked. All fingers are being pointed at the school. Why is this going on? Why is this going on? To the point where somebody actually blamed the last suicide on social media. I mean, that was my fault, by name. Put it on there. It's like, why am I doing this? And it was one of those things where I, I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about what do I need to do for my kids? What do I need to do for my staff uh, who are hurting? What can I do to get speakers in the community, bullying, harassment, and all that, so that we can start talking about it and having a meaningful conversation? And because I did not take care of myself, I suffered, my family suffered, my kids suffered because of it. Because I was so focused on what do I have to do in order to help all of these people that I wasn't willing or able to accept the help and guidance from those around me. And so, long time coming, it comes back to what you were saying is, at the end of the day, like this hardware and all this stuff is not about me. It right. I, there's a lot of people who built me up from rock bottom to get to this point had nothing to do with me. I just I became a better listener and really focusing on the issues that are really going to help schools move forward and it's not about management and it's not about the curriculum you buy. It's not about the facility that you're in. It's it's none of those things. It's really going back to the relationships that you have with people and whether or not they actually believe you. When you say that you're going to do something, are you going to do it? And are you going to follow through on this? And if you can't and you're not willing to do those things, nothing else matters. So what does the young leader, the early career leader do then to not fall into that trap, to not make it all about themselves? I mean they're listening to the podcast obviously they're trying to grow but what what's your advice what's one thing they can do to not fall into that trap i think the the thing that did it for me was at the end of my first year as a principal because i still had carried over some of that stuff from an assistant principal into the principal and you know we're going to do it this way we're gonna, and at the end of my first year as principal 32 I finally just broke down in front of my staff at the end of the year staff meeting. I said, I'm not going to go through another year like this. I'm, you guys are pushing this way. I'm pushing this way. We're not working together and it's exhausting. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for my family. I love it here. I love, I think we have a, a lot of opportunities. We've got to come together to kind of figure out how we're going to make this culture work. And I think it was at that point where I had, I mean, I'm, I'm not an emotional guy, but I teared up in front of him and I said, I can't continue this. And so if this means that those of you who are not big fans of me, if you, if this feels like you're getting a win, then you got to win. You broke me down. We got to this point. After that whole meeting was over, I actually had people come to my office and say, I didn't think you were going to go there, but you did. And now I think we're ready to be able to have that conversation. I mean, again, you have to be able to show that vulnerability. And vulnerability does not mean that you got to be bawling in front of your staff. Vulnerability is just being open to sharing and reflecting on the things that you screwed up and owning them 
and then telling people that you screwed up. It's the toughest thing for any of us to do. I hate it. I hate it when I have an argument with my wife. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. No, I want to win. I want. It's not about winning or losing. It's about developing those relationships. And so it's letting your guard down, letting people know that you're human, that you're not a robot, and that you are capable of being empathetic and that you actually have an emotional bone in your body to admit that you're wrong. Because I think a lot of times, teachers in particular just want to hear from their administrators when they screw up, to just tell the entire staff, I screwed up. I'm sorry, I'll get better, it won't happen again. And then don't let it happen again. If you've never done that, if you've never done that as an educational leader, you're missing out. If you, as a teacher, have never done that with your students, you are swooping in and you are robbing them right. of the opportunity to, oh, yeah, that person screws up too. So that's the best advice that I can give uh, to an aspiring leader. <laughs> that's really good too. So 35. My watch is never on audio. <laughs> I don't know why it's making noise. always off. I don't know why the hell. So the first time I heard it, I'm like, Are yours? I mean, what the hell? So okay, 35, my phone. We'll pick back up. Um, okay, so Jay, let's let's do this. Um, we're at that point in the show where I ask the same question I ask everybody here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. What right now, Jay, are you doing to lean into leadership? So I just finished my first year back at my alma mater. Um, we made a lot of important progress that had to be done. Of course, I am the one who's always saying I wanted to get from point A to C, but we really only got to B, and I'm frustrated because we didn't get over there. How I'm leaning into leadership is learning how to celebrate the progress that we've made as a school. and know that you know I, I look back over these 180 days of school and as I shared with you before the podcast this summer work the second year of the principalship at a new building is actually tougher than the first one because in the first one you don't know what you don't know right I know what I don't know now and I'm trying to fix all of the the poor mistakes that I made in the first first year and so a lot of this is just uh, this summer has been a lot of reflecting in fact this is the first time in my career where I've actually taken a hiatus from social media and not posting on your epic stuff over the summer not doing blogs not doing anything like that because I really wanted to just sit and reflect and process and think about things that we can do next year that are going to make us move even further because we're going to get to C. We might even get to D, but there were some, there were things that, that I messed up that were of my doing. There were things that I probably should have listened a little bit more with my staff. And uh, because of that, we're making appropriate changes as it comes to restorative practices, whether it's uh, our attendance process that are totally staff developed. And we're going to, we're going to do what they're saying because 
they're the one they're the boots on the ground i need to be able to trust that they are going to steer us in the right direction and they need to know that i'm going to have their back on it and so that has been the past couple months and it's a dark place sometimes because you don't know how it's going to turn out but i'm excited about what it's going to present yeah. in the future yeah, absolutely. I uh, love that. So you've alluded to it a few times through the through the course here. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to add a question here, just real quick. Um, own your epic. What does that What does that mean? What's What's the book about? Um, what What would people discover when they really dig into own your epic? Well, it's interesting because own your epic really wasn't there at first. You know, I think my my first blog attempt was uh, a view from the principal's desk, you know, rambling thoughts of just being a high school principal. Uh, and then I met this guy who had this hashtag, Road to Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, dang, that's cool. And then everything that you were doing know that's where it <laughs> was wow. surrounded around this vision of Road to Awesome. And then, of course, you've got the, uh, you had the picture in Rock Springs High School of, you know, Road to Awesome and all. I was like, that is so cool. And so I remember we, my family and I were actually uh, traveling from Kearney to San Francisco, up the Oregon, Washington coast, and then back. It was kind of the Griswold family trip because we yeah. drove. And throughout the entire process, I'm just sitting there about, I've got all of these different stories to tell. And I've got these experiences that I think other people can relate to. And so this is no kidding this is where it started i wanted an original hashtag like road to awesome of my own and so i started thinking about okay what can what can we tie together of course the english teacher and me then additionally it starts thinking about the odyssey and you know these epic poems so yeah. okay, okay, epic all right so then i type in epic and i see a whole bunch of things and then i actually typed in own your epic like own your story and it wasn't a hashtag that was used I said, boom, that's it. Yeah. And then from that point on, I just started writing and providing daily updates. Like, listen, you're gonna you're gonna fall into traps. You're gonna you're gonna fall down. You're gonna make mistakes, but you can own those, and they can be part of your story. And I come back to uh, somebody who uh, who I very much respect, who told me at one point that you can. Um, tell your story or someone else can tell it for you and when they do it's not going to be as good as if you told it yourself and so the whole impetus behind own your epic and the book is you know leadership lessons that i've experienced over my career that have allowed me to grow into the leader that i've that i am i mean and it starts all the way back into high school and some of those things that you never really think are shaping you um but Here's the here's the the clincher in all of this, and you know it because I was tried to. Just, this is what I use to pitch you on the book. My story is my story. The only the the physical act of taking ownership of something is when you will actually write it down, and so my book tells my story, but then it prompts you to use that and then write your own story in the book. Because when you write it down, you are now taking ownership of it and then you are writing your own epic. And so until you are ready to take ownership of your story, the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly, you're really not owning anything 
all you're doing is you're you're just kind of coasting along. So the point is is take ownership of it and tell people because there are a lot of things that people can learn through the good, the bad, and the ugly of your experiences. Absolutely. Well, and not only that, I think we learn a lot about ourselves Absolutely. when we do that, right? You know, when we have to put it on paper, and that's that was one of the, my favorite parts about about your book was actually providing space for people to hey write it down because it isn't you know just hey this is Jay Dostal's story. This is hey. You need to own your epic, and I absolutely love that. Folks, I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, go grab a copy of Own Your Epic as well. Um, Jay, how do people find you? Uh, how do they get in touch with you? At Jay Dostal, J-A-Y-D-O-S-T-A-L, uh, primarily on Twitter. That's kind of my my thing, although I am on Instagram now, same handle. Uh, Facebook is more my personal thing. Twitter is more my my professional piece. Uh, but my my website is ownyourepic.blogspot.com. Um, it's where I've got my podcasts. I've got copies of my books. Uh, and uh, it's where I got my blog, too. And I'm just just thrilled to be able to connect with people. I, I just love having, the, I'm, I'm, I was able to connect with somebody from Miami Dade schools earlier today. And I put him in connection with somebody that I knew from Arkansas. And it, it was a new person coming up through the leadership ranks. I just love being able to connect with people and hearing their circumstances, their stories, because if I can take a little piece there, a little piece there, it ultimately helps me. And I just, I, I want to continue the dialogue. So Anybody reached out, there's some contact information on there, but would love to reach out and continue the conversation. Outstanding. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for joining me on Leaning Into Leadership. Thanks for having me. You know, it, it was just so much fun to be able to sit down with Jay in person and have that conversation. Uh, truly value it. Truly appreciate him. Uh, again, he's one of those really wonderful school leaders that uh, I think very, very highly of. So I hope you found value in that conversation. I know that I did. And now it's time for a pep talk. So earlier this week, I was getting ready to board a plane um, in Oregon. And I did not have carry-on luggage. I just had my little backpack. I'd already checked my bag. And um, the gate agent started asking people, which is very common, asking people to gate check their carry-on bags because apparently she was afraid that the plane was going to be completely full and there wasn't going to be room for any of the the carry-on bags that people had and we were going to be behind. We were already, I guess, a little bit behind and um, which, you know, again, this is, this is very normal. Um, but it was the tactic that she chose that I found a bit off-putting. Um, and I, I think if I had been somebody in one of the final two boarding groups, um, I might have been, I might have been a little bit frustrated with her because it, it went from, Hey, you know, please bring up your, your gate check bags because, or your carry-on bags rather, because we'll gate check them for free. It became very quickly a, you know, in her opinion, a view of non-compliance, and therefore she moved into the punishment to gain compliance. Um, instead of, hey, bring it on up here, we'll gate check it through to your final destination for free, which a lot of people went and did, honestly. It became, if you don't, if you're in the final group and you have anything bigger than a purse, it is going to cost you $80 to board this plane. And as an onlooker, you know, somebody who's not in the final boarding group, I thought, Man, that's that's not the way 
that we want to lead people. That's not the way that we want to encourage people to do something. Um, when we move right into those scare tactics, those those uh, fear-based leadership skills, uh, they don't they don't work. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't see anybody start moving faster because she said that. Um, I think in reality, she was probably frustrated with some other things and carried it out, you know, and paid it forward to the entire boarding group. Um, I tell you this story for this reason. Um, we all have a choice every single day, right, of how we're going to show up and what, what kind of energy we're going to bring. And um, when we get frustrated, because we all do, we have to really stop, take that breath and think about, am I placing the energy I have around this frustration in the right place? Um, clearly, in this person's case, she was not placing in the right place. Um, it very well me, maybe, that, that uh, <laughs> will charge you 80 bucks if you're in the final boarding group on this particular airline um, and you try to bring a carry-on after we've warned you. Well, maybe that's the case. Maybe they need to examine their policies. I don't know. But certainly, folks, for us, the lesson is this. Be smart about the words we choose. Be smart about the way that we conduct ourselves, think about the tone of voice, think about the audience, think about the recipient in particular. And let's just be real mindful and be real smart about how we interact with people each and every day, whether that's a kid or another adult. You know, kindness, kindness doesn't cost us anything. And it certainly doesn't cost us $80 when we get on the plane. That's what I got for you this week, folks. Have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.